Hey, my name's Britt, and this is your Only Black Friend Podcast. I don't know about y'all, but last week sucked. Between the war with Russia and Ukraine to Texas and Florida trying to pass ridiculous laws to put trans youth in danger, this last week has not been good. At least not for me. Going through a lot of different emotions, trying to make sense of everything that's happening and it seems to be happening so quickly. I just wanted to acknowledge to everyone that if you're not doing okay, it's okay. Don't pull a Britney and don't try to keep it all together. And when you do try to keep it all together, you have a slight mental breakdown that you have to take off work. So don't be like me. When you feel your body is getting into panic mode, take some time for yourself. Seriously. That's how I wanted to start off today's episode because not only are we going to continue to have these types of conversations about the only experience, but also I am going to plug mental health. I am going to plug social issues. I wanted to do something a little different before we get into the topic of today. I wrote a poem back in July of 2020. To be exact, it was July 9th. And I wrote a poem. I was going through a poem phase, like looking through my old journal. And I thought that this this poem would be appropriate for this episode. So I hope you enjoy. The poem is titled, Brown Skin I Am In. This skin is all I've ever known. It glistens, it shimmers, it glows. She is strong, resilient even. Scars upon scars of mental, emotional, and physical pain. But the brown skin I am in is so much more than that. It's an extension of myself, sharing to the world who I am without even opening my mouth. This skin has been through some shit. Not wanting to sit down and not wanting to give in. This is the skin I'm in and forever will be. This skin has stories that long to be heard, understood, and celebrated. My brown skin is all I've ever known. And I love the skin that I'm in. So a couple weeks ago at work, we held an intersectional conversation between the LGBTQIA plus employee resource group and the African-American employee resource group about visible and invisible identities. And mainly the conversation was around how being a person of color usually trumps any other identities that you have, because that's what people see first. They see the color of your skin. And it was a really interesting conversation, and it went a lot of different directions, which I really liked. But I just wanted to take a moment to talk about my experience of having a very visible identity or being Black. I know in past episodes, I've talked about different experiences that I've had and different moments in my life where I felt like an only, but I never have truly actually sat down with all of you to tell you my story. And granted, I know throughout time, we will continue to hear parts of it. Don't you worry about that. But I just wanted to kind of take a minute and talk about what it feels like for me to be black and what that means to me on a good day powerful beautiful confident amazing a goddess on a bad day 
I feel hurt and sad and the itch of wanting to just blend in and rub off my skin. My journey to my blackness has been a very interesting one. I pretty much started off my life realizing that I was different and trying to do everything in my power to not stand out, which is ironic because at one point in my life, I loved standing out. I loved wearing bright earrings and bright necklaces and having my hair big. And then I realized that when you put out your authentic self or the self that you want to present to others because you feel comfortable in it, they don't always feel comfortable in it. And for whatever reason, it was like seeing a Black person be in themselves, at least where I went to school, was not okay. You weren't going to be wearing what you were wearing for very much longer. So ever since a very young age, I've kind of had a distance with my Blackness because I knew that if I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear, if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I was going to be at risk of having other kids, my peers, feel threatened by my appearance or feel like I'm infringing on something that it belongs to them, you know, like alternative. Think about that. I was the alternative kid. At least I wanted to be the alternative kid so bad. I loved like all black clothes, the chains, the big pants. I loved it. Okay. I know. I know. But I loved it. And I wanted to do that so bad. And minus like economic factors that I couldn't afford those clothes. But on the other side, when I did try to do my own version of those looks, it was met with a lot of skepticism. It was met with a lot of, why are you trying to be white? Why are you trying to be one of us? This isn't for you. That's so isolating. I know I've said it before. We talk about the isolating effects. But when you have kids who you look up to or who you feel are your friends telling you that you can't do something, you can't wear that, you can't do that because you're not white? It really kind of messes with you. Like, I kind of felt like being black was an inconvenience. It, it got in the way of a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I'm very fortunate enough to have not gone through a lot of the experiences that other black folks go through when they are in predominantly white spaces of wanting to really assimilate to the world around them. And luckily, I never fell into that trap. I still feel to this day that I'm not like fully connected to my blackness. I still don't really know a lot about my ancestry. So for black folks, a lot of us don't know where we came from. A lot of us don't know what country our ancestors were from. It's felt so lonely knowing that your heritage and your culture was completely destroyed and that a new culture and a new heritage had to be created. And I think that also shows the resilience of Black people. And I am so honored to be the descendant of those ancestors because they created something for me, a place where I didn't have to subscribe to one specific thing. I could do and be whatever I wanted. A few episodes back, I spoke with Jess about her experiences being an only, and Jess brought up a really interesting perspective that 
I have personally experienced, but also I know for a fact that other Black folks have also experienced. And now that I'm thinking about it, I also believe Sheldon said something similar to this as well. But as Black kids who grow up as onlys in a lot of different spaces, we find it very difficult to actually mingle and be friends with people who are in our race, as crazy as that sounds. But it's like this weird tug of war that we have. It's like, do you accept me? Do you not? Do you think I'm cool? Do you not? Since I talk like this, is that okay? It's something that has always been on my mind as to why it's been so hard for me to make other friends of color. And luckily at the ripe age of 28, I am so happy to say that I have been making so many more friends of color. Thank you, internet. Thank you, TikTok. But in real life, before the pandemic, I had pretty much, I could probably count on one hand, friends of color that I regularly engaged with. And Sheldon actually brought something up too, is that when he would interact with other Black folks, he only really told his story when he knew that they grew up in similar situations as he did. So I think that's why we hit it off so well, because we both were onlys in our respective suburbs. It makes me sad to think that all of my life, I've honestly struggled with friendships. And I've really struggled to trust people for a lot of different reasons. But I think for whatever reason, it has been extremely difficult for me to trust and be friends with other Black people. And it's not because of one incident. It's not because of something somebody said. It's literally just the looks that I would get when I would open my mouth. I can't change my voice, but for whatever reason, if I was in a space, and I actually do remember a memory when I was younger, when I was getting my hair done, and it was in the city, it was in Chicago. I remember my dad found a stylist for me because I wanted to get my hair done. And of course, in the burbs, you can't get your hair done in the burbs if there's no other black people besides your family. So we had to go to Chicago. And I remember being so nervous because I just didn't want the stylist to hear me and her think that I was trying to be white. I can guarantee that it, when I speak with other onlys who have grown up in similar situations to mine, we're going to uncover that they didn't particularly like being black when they grew up. And personally, I believe that they probably thought this because of being harassed and bullied and knowing that their skin was a target. And I just want to say that I'm so happy to be at a place in my life where I'm celebrating my skin. I'm celebrating my blackness because there was a point in my life where all I wanted to do was scrub it away. And that's really hard to think about, right? Like, especially when you're a kid and knowing that you're in this body, you're in this skin suit, and for whatever reason, all the people who you want to like you don't like you because of that one thing, that one thing that you can't change. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how funny you are. People will always see your black skin first. They see that first before they even see that I'm a woman. I'm happy to be at this place. I'm happy to love myself, love my body the way that it is, which, honey, let me just tell you, it took me a long time to get there too. 
But to see my skin and to see other melanated people live in their blackness and feel proud to be black and be proud to show off their beautiful skin because I never felt like that. <laughs> I never felt like that up until recently. Fun fact, I live in Chicago and the only reason why I wanted to get this apartment was because it had a balcony. And unfortunately, uh, last spring, they shut off the balcony. But before they shut off the balcony, due to like structural issues, I would sit outside almost every day in the sun and I would just look at my skin. And I would just look at it glisten and I would look at it shine. And I was just so amazed that all of those years of hating the way my skin looked and how it felt and what it represented to be at a place where I loved every inch of my body and I loved every inch of brown that I could see. That takes a lot of healing, you know? It's never going to happen overnight. But that was one of my favorite things to do is to just sit outside and just watch myself glow. Being black and being black in a predominantly white area and being in predominantly white spaces your whole life, you don't really get to have the chance to love your blackness and outwardly be black, if that makes sense. The people who are black who are listening to this will understand. <laughs> You'll understand that it's it's like we can't go all the way. We can't go to be fully our true authentic selves in those spaces because we feel like we're a distraction and we don't want to be a distraction. We just want to be there, keep our head down, get the work done, do whatever we need to do. And it's so hard to keep up that persona for so long and not get burnt out from it, you know? And honestly, I, I, do, I do think that that's why I got burnt out so bad from my last job, because I was in a space where it was predominantly white folks. And as much as I love those white people with all of my damn heart, it was exhausting to keep up a clean persona of who I was, or at least what I thought was a clean persona of who I was, because I didn't want the negative comments. I didn't want people to make fun of me. I didn't. I didn't want the, oh, are you from the city? Have you ever gotten your hair braided before? Do you know how to twerk? Do you know how to do the Dougie? That's the one. I don't know how to Dougie. And if any other white person comes to me and they say, Britt, can you Dougie? No. Don't. No. I cannot. And I will not because I, don't, I have too many early 2000s dances in my head. The Dougie was the one that came too late and I'm not going to keep it in there. My blackness is mine, and it can only be defined by me. And my blackness is unique because my blackness encompasses not only my culture and my people, but all of the experiences and the things that I had to go through to be where I am today.
And with that, that's the episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at your only black friend podcast. If you're interested about being on the show, shoot me an email at your only black friend podcast at gmail.com. With that, I'll see you all next week.